1: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, December 11th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy Friday to everybody out there as we count down the days until Christmas and until this crazy year 2020 is over with we can rip the calendar off the wall throw it in the trash and never hear from 2020 again what do you think who's with me who's with me out there let's come on guys start crossing those days off no in all seriousness uh happy friday to everybody and uh thank you for joining us it's uh another great show ahead today as we continue with our format here on mondays wednesdays and fridays it's not always easy putting out episodes but you know what uh, I'm a man of the people. I want the uh, audience, the small audience that is out there, the so few listeners that we have to, uh, you know, uh, a- embrace the fact that, hey, well, hey, there's a new episode out today. Hey, you know, you guys continue to listen because, again, without you guys, w- what's the point of doing this, right? I know when I started, didn't really know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. But uh, it's nice to know that there are some people listening and uh, who continue to give us feedback Uh, As the episodes, uh, total plays and all that continues to grow. Uh, We do have a great guest on the program today. I'll get right to that. Uh, Paula De La Cruz is on the program today. She is an EMT. She's also working now as a fire dispatcher. She's somebody who is very giving, a first responder, uh, somebody who wants to be involved in emergency situations and give back to the community and uh, just just be there for people. And uh, I, I applaud her for that. It hasn't been an easy road necessarily. Um, it, it's, there's been some challenges for her. She will tell you all about that in the interview you guys will hear today. But uh, it was something that Paula kind of attacked later in life after kind of pursuing something uh, or, or pursuing this later after kind of being a mom, being a, a wife and, and a family and and kind of uh, doing a totally different line of work uh, in the restaurant business for 20-something years and then kind of changing career paths and jumping into something as serious as EMT work and, you know, uh, ambulance work. Uh, being there for other people, ambulance work, driving an ambulance and, and helping people. And, and, and what a crazy year too, to, uh, to really be at the the peak of, of her career path in that regard. Uh, 2020 uh, has presented all kinds of challenges for Paula in her line of work. And again, I'm going to let her tell you all about that. Uh, but, uh, Paula is somebody again, that I said is, is very giving, is there for other people and uh, I couldn't be more proud of her for, for the great work she's doing. Uh, I met Paula back when I was officiating high school football. We'll talk a little bit about that. But we used to frequent the, uh, this establishment in Glendora, the Clubhouse 66. It was a place where a lot of the high school football officials in the area would uh, meet up late at night on Friday nights after our football games. And Paula happened to be one of the servers there uh she saw us come in a few times. We started all kind of chatting everything and uh on Friday nights in the fall uh we were paula's referees she she took care of us she kept the beers coming for uh us very thirsty individuals who had just uh you know put put a lot of time and hours into a Friday night football game had gotten yelled at had uh chased uh you know kids around the field and tried to make uh some good calls using our best judgment and so when we saw paula we were trying to decompress our our friday nights and uh she was always there with a smile for us uh, always had the, the cold beers just coming at a, at a rapid pace and uh we all started talking eventually the football officials and Paula and some of the other members of the staff as well and uh you know we came to find out that Paula was a baseball mom her kids played baseball and uh, so a lot of us ended up umpiring her kids games Uh, down the road and just all kinds of little connections like that. That's how it all kind of the, uh, the meetups, you know, happened and, and the world is very small. I've said it before on this program, but it's a very small world out there. And, uh, sometimes just little connections kind of, uh, meet up with you later. So Paula was our server on those Friday nights in the fall with the, our football games And then we would end up, uh, some of us anyway, would end up umpiring a lot of her kids' games. And uh, now she's doing great things as an EMT. She'll tell you all about it. She's been out in uh, involved in some of the Rams practices, uh, LA Rams practices, uh, with some of her training and things. And again, she's going to talk about all of that stuff, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. But really happy to have Paula De La Cruz on the program today. Um and just talk about a little bit everything. What referees are like on a Friday night after a football game? You know what a little insider information there as to uh what what we are like. You know, we're not just those guys in striped shirts on Friday nights, uh making bad calls at a high school football game. No, no, no. We're people, we're people too, and we like to uh you know eat some late night nachos and, and have a few cold ones after a game on a Friday night. And and uh Paul De La Cruz was there. Uh, to uh, help us out with that stuff and ob- obviously have a few laughs herself. So uh, good, good conversation with Paula De La Cruz. I'm, I'm glad you guys are joining us today to hear it. Uh, few things on my mind today, guys, it's Friday morning. And last night, the Los Angeles Rams uh, with a big win on Thursday night football, beating the New England Patriots 24 to three at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Uh, the Patriots were not able to get two wins in SoFi Stadium in one week after demolishing the Chargers on Sunday. The Rams really took it to the Patriots early and often. Uh, I wish there was a few more points scored by my Rams, but you know what? I'll take the 24-3 victory. They kept the Patriots out of the end zone. Uh, some great uh, fourth down stops from the Rams' defense. A ton of sacks, a pick six. I mean, uh, the Rams' defense is the real deal, and, and, and Cam Akers, for the Rams rushing for over 170 yards as a rookie. And and it's not all just him. It's the offensive line. It's the wide receivers. It's it's, uh, all the players there. What a complete game from the uh, Rams there. Uh, They could have used a few more plays offensively, especially in the passing game. But you know what? I think the identity of the Rams is uh, running the ball and playing good defense. And and you saw a lot of that on Thursday night. Uh, I do want to say a few things about the Patriots. You know, uh, this does not avenge. The two Super Bowls that the Patriots beat my Rams in, um, once in, uh, you know, kind of ending the Rams mini dynasty there in the early 2000s and then starting their own. And then again, a few years ago, uh, keeping the Rams out of the end zone in uh, Super Bowl 53 and back in uh, 2019 from the 2018 season. It doesn't avenge that, but you know what? It's pretty good to see the Rams uh, beating the Patriots. Uh, a bill Belichick coach team. Uh, One piece missing from that team though, was Tom Brady. And I got to tell you, you know what? There has been this love affair with Cam Newton for a long time. When he signed with the Patriots, everyone was like, Oh, this is great. He's going to, you know, what a great sign by the Patriots. They did it again. Um, And you know what else? People were upset that the former MVP Cam Newton was signing this league minimum deal. And, people were up in arms and it's like, well, if he wasn't getting offers anywhere else, then maybe other people didn't think he was very good. And and what I see in Cam Newton uh, to me is something I projected years ago, but no one probably believed me. I mean, you see Cam Newton, the great football player, you know, the MVP, but he just slowly declined. I mean, he barely threw for over a hundred yards. He was benched for Jared Stidham. I mean, I I said it a few weeks ago, Cam Newton is done. And he's been done. He's one dimensional. He looks like he's in pain every time he throws a pass. And I I think this is definitely a one year experiment in new England. They needed a guy. He filled the spot. Okay. He bought them some time. And so I'm happy with the Rams defensive performance, but I'm also thinking maybe it was more that cam Newton is the leader of that new England Patriots offense. And, uh, you know what? They, they looked very bad. They looked very, very bad. So I don't think Belichick's going to put up with this. I think Cam Newton might even be done the rest of this season. But I don't i don't see him coming back. I mean, they, they can't even call passing plays with him. They think hiking the ball to him in the shotgun and having him run the ball like it's a uh, freshman offense or something is going to get the job done in the National Football League. I don't think so. I don't care how big and strong and fast Cam Newton is. And his best days are behind him for sure. So uh, I'm happy with the Rams win. Uh, I know Paula De La Cruz is a big Rams fan. Her family, her husband Robert, uh, the whole De La Cruz family, uh, big Rams fans. So I know they were watching last night. Uh, very pleased with with the uh, the victory. This Rams improved to nine and four. The Patriots fall to six and seven, and uh, now their playoff hopes are are uh, are definitely in jeopardy. I, I will still say Bill Belichick. Has done quite a bit this year with not very much, uh, you know, at in his uh, in his holster. I guess um, he has played good defense, coached up a good defense, but other than that, the Patriots are just—I don't know. Uh, I, I am surprised they've gotten this far after a rough start. But uh, what we saw Thursday night was a far uh, superior football team in the LA Rams over the. Uh, New England Patriots and uh, I hope that the Rams can build some momentum here as they head into the playoffs and for the Patriots I really don't know what to say uh, it's weird <laughs> seeing a team that is just doesn't have anything to And I, I know Tom Brady's gone and, and maybe their dynasty is over um, Belichick is still there so you never know but anyway uh, happy for my Rams happy for all the Rams fans out there all of you Los Angeles Rams fans it's nice to see a team in Los Angeles doing so well, much like the Dodgers and the Lakers and uh, you know all of the above. So anyway, uh, I chat with Paula De La Cruz today about a lot of different things, her, her career path, um, her uh, experience as a, a server with uh, referees, and also just her being a baseball mom. I know baseball was a big part of uh, the, the family. Uh, with the boys and and then the daughter playing softball. I mean, uh, the De La Cruz family is a baseball family. And again, she'll tell you all about that. Uh, But there are some stories in there. um, And and I think some stories and memories and and also just overall outlook uh, that I think a lot of people out there can relate to. Whether you know you're a family person or or someone who is religious or not, I think there's there's something from this interview that everyone can can relate to, and uh, I'm really happy again to have Paula on, and and I hope you guys enjoy the interview as much as I did uh, in chatting and catching up with her. Uh, before we get into the interview with Paula on Fridays, we do a Suds with Studs segment. We call it Suds with Studs because uh, these are people that we wish we could sit down and have a beer with. Even though uh, most of them have passed away, uh, we try to honor a hero. We talk about a military personnel, maybe a former uh, police officer, uh, first responder, firefighter, whatever the case is. We try to honor somebody on Fridays, and that's why we call it Suds with Studs. A little corny, I know, but uh, just something that has been a part of the Get Home Safe podcast for a few months now that we like to do before we get into our interview with our uh, Friday guests. So for those of you who are new to the program, uh, Mondays pretty much is just a sports recap with either me or me and my brother, Sam Hersema, just kind of talking about the weekend that was. Wednesdays, we have on weekly uh, a good friend of mine, Bill Barnes, who's a retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire. He is a fan favorite and uh, somebody who really drives this show uh, home uh, every single week. And then on Fridays, we have a special guest that we have a long-form interview uh, and discuss kind of career path, just life in general, and uh, maybe just overall catch up with them as we haven't chatted in a long time. So that's kind of the format here on the Get Home Safe podcast for those of you who are new to it. And for those of you who are returning, well, it's a uh, repeat information, but we still appreciate you listening and uh, bearing with me as we uh, move right along here. So uh, I will take a quick break, break and then we will be back with the Suds with Studs. Uh, segment of our program, which is only uh, a few minutes, eight, 10 minutes or so. And then we'll go right into the interview with Paula De La Cruz and then get home around third and home safe for the weekend. Take a few days off and be back for you next week. So I will take a breather, take a sip of water here, and then we'll get right into it. That's what's happening today. Thank you for joining us here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, on Fridays, we try to pay our respects to some heroes, try to honor them as best we can in a segment we call Suds with Studs. Uh, we call it that because these are people that we, we would love to have a beer with, uh, sit down, and we would definitely buy all the rounds, uh, not just the first round. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the people we talk about in this segment are people that have passed away uh, from either their courageous acts or uh, just old age, as uh, we try to go into the history books a little bit at times uh, to look at people from uh, different conflicts and wars America has been in. We try to honor uh, police officers and uh, military personnel from all walks of life, from all over uh, America's timeline, and it's just been a real uh, honor for me to be able to do this weekly just for a few moments to talk about someone who I think we can all be inspired from. And I always encourage you guys, please look up these people that I talk about. I think uh, you spending a few minutes learning about them will definitely uh, you know, in- increase the way that, that we are paying tribute to them because I, I can only uh, do so much and I wish I could do more, give some extensive uh, reports and stuff on some of these people because they really are inspiring. And uh, just some of the uh, you know, most courageous heroes uh, that I had the privilege to to learn about and I, I love doing this. So if you have any suggestions for more, definitely send them my way. People you know, people you've read about uh, doesn't matter. A lot of military uh, firefighters, Uh, police officers, whatever the case is. These are the types of people we want to talk about on our Friday segment, uh, Suds with Studs. And I thought that, you know, we have Paula De La Cruz on the program today. She is an EMT. She's working as a fire dispatcher. She is a first responder. You know, she's someone that uh, has to treat people out in the field. Uh, She's an emergency uh, responder, as I mentioned. And so I thought, uh, let me think of some people that are kind of involved in that line of work, uh, maybe in the military side of things. And one of my favorite mini-series is a band a Band of Brothers. Uh, it was a book by Steven Ambrose. It was a mini-series on HBO, 10-part mini-series that talked about um, uh, easy company of the 101st Airborne uh, division in World War II. Really good stuff, 10 parts, an hour long. Steven uh, Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Uh, produced and directed the the miniseries, and it was one of the first really great miniseries out there. And today, I want to talk about someone who was featured in that movie, specifically in the sixth episode. Uh, His name is Eugene Rowe, and uh, he was a combat medic. He was known as Doc Rowe uh, and and Gene, as some of his nicknames uh, that were uh, thrown about while he was serving uh, in Europe in World War II. Uh, a member of the 101st Airborne Division uh, for the uh, United States Army and the paratroopers. That's what the uh, Band of Brothers is basically about, about the paratroopers who fought for the United States of America in World War II. Well, uh, I encourage you guys, if you haven't seen it, to definitely check that out. But I want to talk about Mr. Eugene Rowe today, just briefly, give a few words uh, about his, uh, his life, his experience in World War II. And again, if you've seen Band of Brothers, uh, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about because one of the episodes, I think it's the sixth one, as I mentioned, he he narrates it as it's happening in his real time. The actor does a great job and uh, he really paints a picture of how horrible war could be, uh, especially at that time. So uh, here is a, a brief description really for Eugene Gilbert Rowe Sr. Uh, he was born October 17th, 1921. Uh, Passed away December 30th, 1998, so he's been gone uh, for quite some time now. But he was a non-commissioned officer with Easy Company, 2nd Battalion, 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment in the 101st Airborne Division of the United States Army during World War II. Roe was portrayed in the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers by Shane Taylor. Roe's life story was featured in the 2010 book, a company of heroes, personal memories about the real band of brothers and the legacy they left us. We'll have to check that one out for sure. Uh, Eugene was born in Bayou Sheen, uh, Louisiana, to Ed Rowe and Maud Verrett. Rowe quit school during his elementary years. He was semi-skilled in oilers of machinery. The Rowe family moved to Morgan City, Louisiana later. uh, Eugene enlisted in December 12th on December 12, 1942, in Lafayette, Louisiana. Rowe was one of Easy Company's medics. While stationed in Alborn, Rowe met his first wife, Vera. Their wedding was set for June 6, 1944, but had to be postponed because it was the day when Rowe made his first combat jump into Normandy in the Battle of Normandy. Roe also participated in the British controlled American military operation Operation Market Garden in the Netherlands while in the Netherlands he was wounded on September 17 1944 Roe also took part in the battle of the a battle of the bulge at Bastogne He was discharged on November 17, 1945, and arrived in the United States 11 days later. It was in that battle, at the Battle of the Bulge, at Bastogne, where the Episode six of the miniseries takes place. It talks about the cold. It talks about the horrors of war. It really takes you inside the mind of a combat medic uh, at that time. And I'm sure anyone who's been a first responder or any kind of uh, medic or paramedic or EMT, I'm sure they can relate to that episode uh, specifically with what. Uh, Doc Rowe went through uh, that day. And it's really portrayed really well in in the miniseries. I I know I keep uh, preaching it and promoting it, but you guys have to check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, When the war was over in Europe, Rowe married Vera on May 8th, 1945 in England. After his discharge, Rowe and his wife moved to Baton Rouge and had three children. Rowe became a construction contractor post-war he died of lung cancer in December of 1988 in Louisiana. In Band of Brothers, R- Roe was portrayed by Shane Taylor. Episode six of the miniseries called Bastogne is told from his point of view. In that episode, uh, Roe is portrayed as I mentioned, just uh, tre- tremendous, scary. I mean, he takes you inside the battle. It's just, it's a, it's a scary moment, but you're just, you're very inspired by. Uh, knowing the fact that these weren't just uh, some things that happened sometimes that he was going through, it was definitely stuff he was seeing and experiencing many days during his service. So, uh, again, very good portrayal. If you're interested in it, I am interested now in that book that I just uh, they mentioned, and I would like to uh, check it out for sure. But as I said earlier. The Band of Brothers was a book before it was a miniseries. And uh, it says here, Roe was mentioned only briefly in Stephen Ambrose's book, Band of Brothers. But it was said that he was very brave and a heroic medic. Well, to Mr. Eugene Roe, I salute you, sir. Uh, I know you have passed away and it is not possible. But if it were at all possible, you are someone I would definitely love to sit down and have a beer with. And I can promise you, I would not just be buying the first round, but all the rounds. And that's why we call this segment Suds with Studs, because they are uh, people that, again, inspire us, people that uh, we can learn uh, a little bit more about and, and just learn to appreciate the fact that there's been many people like them that have done so many things for us. And uh, I know it's briefly on Fridays where I just say a few words, read something, uh, and and it may not always go as smooth as I'd like. Uh, but I encourage you guys, please go read up on these people. Uh, it's something uh, we, we we owe them that for all they've done for us. And you know, with having Paula De La Cruz on today, as a, again as a EMT and someone who's been a first responder I think it definitely makes us think about all of our first responders those people that go into a situation not knowing what to expect but definitely ready for anything and uh, again to Eugene Rowe you are one of the many types of people that we want to continue to talk about on Fridays uh, with this segment Suds with Studs. Okay, today we are joined by Paula De La Cruz. Uh, I first met Paula back when I was officiating football. She had the very difficult uh, job on Friday nights of keeping uh, the beers coming for football officials after working a Friday night game. And uh, it was, it was no, no small order for sure. So that's where we all met. She took care of her referees on Friday nights. And uh, now she's doing great work as a fire dispatcher. She has experience as an EMT. Uh, She's a baseball mom at heart. She's a Dodger fan, a Rams fan, lots to cover. And it's been a while, Paula, since we've talked. So Paula De La Cruz, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Well, Paula, we met a few years back. I don't know when it was exactly, 2010, 2011. I can't believe how long it's been, but you were working at... uh, right? Long time. You were working at Clubhouse 66. And for those that don't know, football officials, well, any officials for that matter, but especially the Friday night football officials after a game, we like to go sit down and uh, share a few laughs, have a few cold drinks and uh, just kind of decompress. And Paula, that's where, where we ran into you. And what was your first impression really of dealing with football referees after a game late on a Friday night?
0: Uh, I I loved, loved it. I fell in love with it. It was hilarious, I think, because of my experience as a baseball mom and the fact that I ended up knowing half of you from baseball <laughs> um, and, and and football. You know, my boys played the Covina Vikings for a little bit. So, um, yeah, no, it was good times. I loved listening to, to the banter, everybody just joking and talking and having a good time. And uh, yeah, y'all definitely took care of me at the end of the night. So that was, that was a plus, <laughs> it, was, it, was fun. it was It was a ton of fun.
1: Well, you know, uh, football referees on a Friday night uh, after a game, Paula, they have a, a rare condition where they kind of need a fresh beer once every like nine minutes or so, give or take. And, and you were, you were the best in the business. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> we we tried a few other places but you know what clubhouse 66 was home for us and we had some good years there some good times out on the patio uh that, that was close to home for me so that was good uh but uh yeah, yeah friday nights so the, I, you were great you you you'd set up you have a table reserved for us uh i think you talked to the other servers there and and we were known as paula's refs i think right at some point <laughs>
0: I think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of took ownership of that pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, 11, 12 Friday nights uh, in the fall was, uh, hey, we got to make sure this happened. Uh, you always, the kitchen closed a little early usually, but you, you, you found a way to keep a few things open for us. So we were very grateful for you on Friday nights after sweating and running around for two and a half hours chasing, uh, you know, 16, 17 year old kids playing football. It was always good to go in and the clubhouse.
0: Right. Yeah, no, it was good times. Definitely.
1: <laughs> well, talk, uh, tell me, Paul, I know you spent a long time in the restaurant business. Um, you, you, you know, what was it like for you working nights constantly? Was, what, you're, a, you're a mother of three. Was that difficult working nights mostly as a server? Um, and did you do it a very long time?
0: I did it for probably about 20 years. Um, I decided to go back to it when my kids were born because I didn't want to raise them in daycare. I wanted to be home with them all day. I was the one who took them to and from school. I got to be the room mom and the team mom and uh, pick them up from school every day, have snack ready, and it was great. So working nights was definitely hard, Um, but it gave me a lot of flexibility. Um, My hours were flexible. My days were flexible. Uh, if I needed time off, uh, and it was great money. I mean, you make anywhere from twenty to fifty dollars an hour on a good night. So um, that was definitely a plus. But you know, there were nights where we were up late, and I had to get up early, take the kids to their games. You know, so four hours sleep, and I'd miss that home run. Or I'd miss that great play because I was sleeping in my chair. Try to make up for it, but. Uh, no it's good I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything um I was grateful to be able to be home with my kids during the day so I think that that made a, a big difference in raising them
1: well we hope that your your uh, 10 to 12 Friday nights in September and October and early November were uh were good nights for you because uh, we we enjoyed just hanging out with the guys and and knowing that uh, hey Paula was taking care of us good times <laughs> oh good times yeah absolutely <laughs> What's that? Say it again.
0: I said, I miss it. It was good times.
1: Yeah. 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 I hear you there. Uh, well, well, Paula, uh, you you grew up in West Covina. Uh, your husband, Robert, uh, also from the area. You guys uh, married early, had three uh, awesome kids. Uh, you did the restaurant business and everything. Um, I know Robert, uh, your husband, is a coach for the West Covina Dukes, and he's been doing it a long time. He was doing it when your both of your sons were playing there. I mean, has... I think it's awesome that he's still a part of it, especially an organization like the West Covina Dukes that has been around a a long time. How did, how did he get in? Did he get involved kind of before your son started playing?
0: Uh, No, he coached our kids um, through when they played at Charter Oak, they played at uh, Covina American little league. um, And then through travel ball, he coached with them off and on. When they were at the Dukes, um, he may, I think he coached Anthony's team, but I don't think he coached Robert's team. It was kind of one of those things where, you know, they didn't really have the dad's coaching. So he started the majority of his coaching when the boys were with the Arsenal. Um, And he he started coaching with the Dukes. So um, it's been off and on for, you know, seven or eight years now, I believe that he's been coaching the Dukes. Um, But he loves it. He just loves, he loves teaching the kids. He loves seeing the kids grow and uh, and learn the game, and he just has such a love for the game. I like to think he's a really good coach. He's patient, he's non-biased, and, and um, he just wants the kids to learn, and he wants to win games. So,
1: Well, well that's, that's all important, and I got to tell you, having umpired a lot of those games, and you mentioned, you know, a lot of the football officials umpired uh, those games. It was always good seeing Robert, because we knew, hey, there's not going to be any any big arguments or anything we're all just here to to educate the kids and to uh, go about our lives so Robert was always a pleasure to be around and umpires games and uh, he was he was good with the kids there were times he need you know he had to amp it up and uh, kick him into gear but like you said you had a great word there, patience I, I, I can appreciate coaches who are patient and are teachers at heart and I think that's what your husband is for sure.
0: Yeah, Definitely.
1: Well, well, Paula, I I mentioned that you were the baseball mom. And, you know, that's kind of the best way to describe you. I think for me is that, you know, your kids played uh, so much baseball, your your daughter, Alyssa, a big softball player. I mean, the De La Cruz family, they may have other interests, but would you say, I mean, you guys are a baseball family at heart, right?
0: We were most definitely we put in hours and hours and days and days into uh, baseball and softball with the kids that you know we I'd pack all the ice us up on a Friday night and Saturday we were leaving um, we'd be gone sometimes the entire day uh, eating at the field napping at the field changing their uniforms you know going from <laughs> one to the next um, there was a few years where every July we have the kids playing all over the place literally at times in different states, so we were like, we were doing it and it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of good memories
1: oh, absolutely, and you know what uh you know some people would say, "Oh, you know kids play too much baseball or kids do too much of this or that, but you know what you you talked about memories i mean you look back now. Kids are all grown up. I'm sure that, that uh, blows your mind a little bit, how quickly they grow up. Um, but <laughs> but I, I mean, if nothing else, baseball created this camaraderie in your family, it seemed like, and so much of a, like this common thread almost. I know there's other things you guys do and, and love, love to uh, partake in, but baseball was just such a big part of your guys' life for so long.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, And and we have great times. And, you know, it's true, it really does take a village, because I think that even though my kids didn't um, end up playing, you know, after high school, which was originally the plan, um, they moved on to other things and they gained so much, um, so much character through playing sports as much as they did. Um, They learned discipline and work ethic. Uh, they had a lot of really great coaches that just taught them how to man up, you know, and take responsibility. And um, we had some we had some tough times, most definitely, getting on teams that we just weren't happy with how things were going. But you also learn a lot from that too. You, you learn what not to do. You learn what you don't like and what you don't need in your life. So um, now that we've moved on, um, the kids really value our family time. We've been doing a lot of camping. Um, Anthony is totally into skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding. Um, we, we've been having a great time. So, and you know, all those years that most of our trips were based around sports, we try to make them like little vacations if we had to go out of state or somewhere, but, um, you know, we never were able to really do a whole lot because of sports. So it's, (laughs) we value it now. It's it's great. It's great.
1: Yeah. You know, I I feel for, for the kids really that don't participate in sports because there's so much to learn, as you said, you know, lessons and just uh, hardships and and overachieving and, and all those great things. I think kids should play a sport at some point, and if they don't, you know, participate in music, musical instrument or something. But but sports does kind of build character, reveal, <laughs> reveal character. So I think it's awesome that all your kids played sports for so long, uh, because yeah, those lessons and memories, as you mentioned, uh, go on forever. Um, I, I did have one, well, not a question really, but I I, I don't know if you remember this, so. I think it was Anthony, Anthony's team. Me and Jason Hike were umpiring uh, <laughs> like a double head. We were there all day. It seemed like, and uh, we, you know, you knew we were going to be there and you're cool. Uh, you were feeding the team or so anyway, you, you asked us like, Hey, what did you, you know? Hey, i will get you guys some lunch or something. And we're like, okay, cool. Paul's going to bring us lunch in between games. So you brought us a sandwich or something. And you even went out of your way because at the time Jason was like a vegan. He was he was only eating fish. And so you got to right. some, I don't remember what it was, but you got him something. And in the last game, we've been out there four or five hours. uh, Anthony tries to steal a base or maybe it was a double and he got, there was a play at second base and uh, he was more than likely safe. (laughs) And and Jason, (laughs) Jason, if we're on, he was, he was like, ah, that's close enough for that hour of the day. And he called the kid out and then Jason realized the last name on the back of the Jersey. And he just went like, Oh, he knew what he did. <laughs> and I think it was, it was you. It was you from the stands yes. who yelled, Oh, come on, Jason. I bought you lunch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that story. That was hilarious. That was the best thing ever. Cause I could just see it right when he called him out, he just hung his head down and he knew it. He knew it. And I was like, Oh my God, not on this one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, some youth baseball, but yeah, that was so funny. I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Jason Hike, uh, yeah. Oh, just uh, bite the hand that feeds him. Literally, I mean, come on. What?
0: Literally, literally. What's
1: this guy? <laughs> oh, it was memories like that from uh, baseball and everything that that were just uh, that were that were great. And um, I want to ask you something about restaurants, Paula. You've been around a lot of people who've worked in restaurants a long time, and. I mean, this crazy time we're in where restaurants are open, but then closed and then only outdoor dining. And then, you know, now California or L.A. County, at least, is is shutting things down. I mean, it's got to be so difficult for anyone working in the restaurant industry. They got to just be on their toes right now. I mean, is that kind of what it's been like for a lot of your friends or or other people out there? I mean, what, what can you speak on about? Uh, people in the restaurant business in 2020
0: it's definitely been crazy i can't I, I haven't really spoken directly with anybody um and how it's affecting them but i can only imagine um how horrific it is because i know i depended on those tips you know more so than you depend on your paycheck so um i can only imagine how hard it must be even as the the Restaurant owners to keep things going. The whole dynamic of, of the restaurant business has changed. Even when they were allowed to open, it was, um, you know, they're seating outside and they're able to serve alcohol to go and uh, out on the patio, out you know, or in the in the streets in front of the restaurant on the sidewalk. Um, but it's been neat to see changes and how they've been able to adapt. Um, but I can only imagine how how hard it must be you know for those people who haven't depend on that and they they completely lost their income
1: it's so sad it's um the inconsistency of it i mean um you know my girlfriend valerie she worked in the restaurant business a long time and uh she's told me everything you you just talked about with tips and just the consistent money and then especially this time of year holidays was kind of the the money making time for people i mean thanksgiving christmas you know right
0: Oh yeah, definitely. At Clubhouse, we had a lot of company parties that would come in and we had repeat customers that would come in, you know, it was a great time of year to make some really great money. So it's unfortunate that for the next three weeks, they're going to be shut down again mm-hmm. to take out. And I mean, it, I can't imagine they're going to be able to survive off of just takeout, but you know, people are kind of trying to make ends meet and do what they can.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Our thoughts and prayers are with everyone out there. Uh, In the restaurant uh, industry, for sure. I mean, it's uh, God bless them because they they got a tall task ahead of them. Um, You you were someone that eventually got out of the restaurant business and you had kind of uh, different goals in mind. Tell me about that thought process, kind of leaving an industry that you had been in for 20 years and then had some pretty big goals and aspirations and kind of how you uh, came about all that.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I used to think that I was probably going to be a lifer in the restaurants. You know, it was so easy. It was flexible hours, minimal hours for great pay. Um, and then I just started getting uh, pulled into a different direction. It definitely was a God thing. Um, you know, I knew he was putting me on a path for a reason. I didn't quite understand what it was, but um, I became very interested in becoming a firefighter. So I started leaning towards that path. Um, And exploring different avenues on how to get there. Um, One of the requirements was to be an EMT or EMT certified at least. So I did get my EMT certification and decided to start working as an EMT. Um, It was a pay cut. So it was a tough decision um, at the time because we had always, you know, just barely made ends meet with what I was making. So to make a pay cut uh, was rough, but it ended up working out in the long run so better benefits it was a steady paycheck and it's a job that i absolutely love um i've been having a great time doing it Uh, i love working out in the field i love driving lights and firing the best i love working with uh, the people that i work with every day is a new adventure you know i have my regular partner but sometimes we get to work with other people um we get to work right alongside fire. Fire. We do have the 911 contract, so we respond with the fire department to every 911 call. And uh, working with the patients is definitely interesting. We work with a lot of very interesting people, got, got a lot of interesting calls. I, I,
1: I cannot imagine, uh, you know, going through all that. I mean, how do you, just your complete mindset changes. You go from, hey, making sure some uh, some old referees have a, have a cold beer on a Friday night to, <laughs> To, to treating people in a situation where you show up and you don't know what to expect and you have to kind of expect anything and at the same time be patient with these people and uh, try to get the job done. So, I mean, as far as mentally when you're going into this, was it just a completely 180 for you?
0: Definitely was. And I didn't realize how much my customer service skills that I had gained from restaurant work would pertain to my jobs today. Um, you don't realize that until you get there and you're kind of like, oh, this is, there's a lot of similarities, but I had to, t- <laughs> when you walk into a house and someone's sick and they can't breathe and you're like, hi, how are you doing today? My name's Paula. I'm going to be your EMT, you know, can I get you a beverage? <laughs> so it was <laughs> I had to kind of tone it down a notch, um, a different level of professionalism, um, a different side of customer service. And then it took me a while to learn how to be comfortable with my bedside manner mm-hmm. um, in, appro- in a very appropriate way, um, you know, so I am able to use my, my customer service skills, you know, and my friendliness in a very professional way that's not, you know, going to upset anybody <laughs> who's currently yeah. not doing very well. <laughs> so yeah. it, was, it was definitely a completely different path, but it's, uh, it's been a great adventure. It's been a lot of fun.
1: No, absolutely, and and if you I mean if you have a bad day at a at a restaurant, I mean I'm sure that's that's tough. But if you have a bad day in this line of work that you're in currently, uh, I gotta imagine it it weighs on you. And I've talked to a few firefighters, police officers, this and that. Um, you've you've obviously probably seen some pretty rough things. How do you then kind of push those moments aside and then go home to your family and not take it home with you. Like, what is your, what is your mindset there of just like, Hey, that was today. Tomorrow's a new day. Even though I'm sure you've seen some pretty rough things, it's not always a happy ending, unfortunately.
0: Unfortunately it's not. And um, definitely have had some rough days. Um, What helps me is uh, reminding myself that, you know, after the call, taking time to kind of debrief and, and acknowledge the fact that what you're feeling and the overwhelming emotion is a very normal response. Um, it's important to acknowledge that and to know that you have resources that you can use. Um, we have stress management teams. Um, but we have a family. Um, I remember one day I had a really rough call and by the time we showed up to the hospital with the patient, um, there was a lot of people there that day, there was a lot of our crews, um, we call it holding a wall with a patient, you know, waiting for a bed for their patient, and a lot of of crews happened to be there that day, and I just felt like I was completely surrounded by um, an extended family, and um, I had had longed for that in that job. Um, It takes a while to kind of get settled and get to know people and let people get to know you, and then uh, you hit that moment where you realize, um, you know, you're a family and and they really do take care of you. Um, For me, it's like I said, it's important to acknowledge that and to give myself a break and and say, you know, it's perfectly normal to react in this way. Um, Use your resources and then I have to keep working. For me, they always give us the option to go home, you know, and de-stress and stuff. But for me, I got to keep working. I got to put my hands back to use for something good. And I got to end on a good note and uh, keep going and be around the people that understand uh, because you can't always bring it home. I have a very supportive family, very supportive husband, but they're not in the industry. So they don't, they don't fully grasp the concept, you know? And so I know I have to, I have to tone it back a notch when I talk about things. Um, you know, because some of it can be a little overwhelming for people who aren't in the industry. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely good to to use your resources and rely on each other, and that's what we're able to do.
1: Well, you made some uh, a comment about you know getting into EMT and and, uh, and working in that field and how it, it was kind of a pay cut, right? And I, uh, from my understanding of, of uh, not just you but some other. Friends who've who've been in that environment and everything, it is surprising to me that uh, EMT or paramedics and and forgive me if I misspeak here or anything, you know it's not as uh, I'll, I'll say it I'll say it. they they do seem underpaid I mean for for what they do when you break it down and say this is an emergency response to some at times life or death situations. And they're not quite compensated how they should be. Is there, any, um, is there anything that's in the works to kind of improve upon that? Or does everybody kind of understand that that's what they get into?
0: Well, uh, what happens is I work for a company that's a for-profit company. So uh, the ambulance service in this area has been privatized. So when it's a for-profit company um, that employs approximately, approximately 1,000 EMTs in, in our area between Orange County and LA County, um, we make minimum wage. Um, we make based off of LA County's minimum wage. And um, we currently are in the process of becoming a union. So um, by unionizing, they are planning on trying to get us higher wages um, but that comes at a cost one way or another, you know, the company's not just going to forego money. So we notice our benefits are changing and things like that. Our working conditions are changing. So it's kind of a trying time. Um, we're EMTs. We do employ some paramedics, but not very many. Um, the paramedics are with the fire department. Mm-hmm. And as we know, the fire department is paid by, uh, public funds. So it's a little bit different. So they're the, they're the guys that make the big bucks yeah <laughs> so we're kind of known as uh the bottom of the totem pole sometimes we're even treated like the dirt that holds the totem pole up um <laughs> we get called things like oh you're just the ambulance driver a lot of people think we we don't really do any anything and we have days where we don't, don't do much honestly but we have days where we do do a lot and we do help save lives and uh so it's it would be nice to be able, it would, everybody uses a job as an EMT as a stepping stone for something more, whether they're going to medical school or they're going to be a PA or nursing school or to be a firefighter. Um, most everybody uses that as a stepping stone. So it's not meant to stay in this job forever, but it would be nice. There's a lot of people who are just really good EMTs and don't really have much more going on. So it would be nice to be able to make it a career. It's an important job, most definitely.
1: Yeah, no I I appreciate you saying that because I I didn't quite understand like why is this you know clearing up some of the differences and and things. Uh cuz I I'll, I'll look at it like this. Any job you think is not that important, uh imagine it not being there. You know, we got this right. a lot in umpiring, right? Oh, you know, umpires are just uh you just, you know, you're not even people and uh we're not important. Well, you know what? Without umpires you don't have a game. And, and without ENT right. you don't have response, uh, you know? So <laughs> That's how I look at it. So, God bless you and all the people that are involved in that. Um, Let me ask you this What has the experience been like? You kind of knew one way, you know, experienced it one way in previous years, 2019, and then the calendar changes to this magnificent year, 2020, and uh, things have changed. So, so what have been some of the differences, some of the challenges, really, in working in the EMT as uh, this crazy year has gone by?
0: Oh, it's it It was crazy. Um, in the spring when it all hit and uh, the whole dynamic of our job changed, um, we got uh, very, very slow at first because people were too afraid to go anywhere. Nobody wanted to go to the hospital. That's where the sick people were. Yeah. So a lot of people weren't calling 911. Um, there was a lot of sick people who were facing um, tough times and, and chose not to call 911 to seek help. Uh, and then we were also advising people to not go to the hospital. And so we had a lot of canceled calls because uh, we didn't want to transport somebody that didn't necessarily need to be transported. Um, a lot of the people that we do pick up and transport don't need to be transported by ambulance. It's it's stuff that they they can see their doctor for, but they're they're choosing not to, or they seem to think that it's much more intense than it really is. Uh, but out of, you know, the goodness of our hearts, we transport them. But during COVID, uh, we chose not to. And we we advised them to follow up with their doctor. Um, the whole dynamic changed. Uh, we weren't going into patients' houses as much. Uh, we're not going into skilled nursing facilities as much. We're asking them to bring patients outside. And we're treating patients in the outdoors. And, um it's very different, a lot more, you know, where i having to wear gowns and masks, sometimes two masks and double gloves. And, you know, the whole, the whole fear of, am I getting exposed? You know, It's the whole dynamic of the job has changed and it, it got a lot more stressful. Um, there was one night where, so it got really slow at first and then it picked up and it got real, real busy. And by that time the hospitals had cut their staffing, we had cut our staffing. Um, because it was slow and then it got busy again and then everybody was kind of scrambling at the last minute to to make it work and it hit all county and it hit hard uh the hospitals didn't have beds available um they had to put up tents outside and triage people in the outdoors and um there was one night where I had to take care of a COVID positive patient in the back of my ambulance for five hours because there was no bed available for him So, um, and I I had to do a lot. I wasn't just watching him. I had to monitor his vitals every 15 minutes. I had to uh, change his diaper, help him use a urinal, replace his mask, wipe his mouth. He he couldn't take care of himself. And it's usually the job of the, the nurses or the techs in the hospital. But here I was, I went through a whole box of gloves that night, you know, just changing my gloves and wearing the gown the whole time. I didn't have dinner and it was exhausting.
1: It was exhausting. So. Well, well, pardon me for making light of the situation, but it it, it makes me think about some, again, back to those Friday nights, you had to deal with some uh, sloppy referees at some point, (laughs) old men who probably needed a lot of that, that treatment, not, not all of it, but a lot of it. So uh, (laughs) we won't mention any names, but I think, you know, you know, know a few names (laughs) (laughs) anyway. No, I mean, seriously, God, God bless you, Paula for that. I mean, these are the things people don't think about when they just hear, oh, yeah, EMT or first, oh, that's cool. But, I mean, sometimes uh, the the details is, oh, man, we don't want to think about that stuff because um, there's people like you that that are willing to do it. And, again, uh, y- you, you got involved in something knowing, again, it wouldn't be this very wealthy profession or anything. Right. You knew you were going to get your hands dirty. But I admire people like you because it's a – you, you're doing something that deep down you do love. You love, right? Yeah, I mean,
0: you love I do. I, do. I really do. And I, that's why I'm still doing this job, because I got the job as the fire dispatcher, and that's a great career. Um, and I very easily could just quit being an EMT, but I love it. So I'm hanging on as long as I can, as long as I can make it work with the two jobs, because I, I enjoy being out in the field, and I enjoy doing that job.
1: So you talked earlier about how EMT is kind of a stepping stone for a lot of people and and currently or recently uh, you were uh, hired as a fire dispatcher. So was it kind of connected? What was the process for you to be in fire dispatch and just kind of what are some of your overall duties as far as being a fire dispatcher?
0: Well, so I'm three weeks into training. Um, The first course of training is a total of eight weeks, and then so I'm training to be a call taker, Um, and then I'll go to to radio training later. Um, I had applied as for the dispatch position originally um, because I was trying to go for a firefighter, and I wanted to get my foot in the door with county, a county job. You know, it's it's great pension benefits. You know, it's a great pay. Um, I think that. Having been an EMT and worked down the field is really going to help me as far as being a dispatcher um, because you can process it a little bit differently. Uh, You kind of know some key things to listen for and some key questions to ask and uh, get the information that you need. Um, But I also think it's going to be a little difficult because I'm used to being out in the field (laughs) trying to communicate over the phone to someone who's not trained to do the job. It can be very hard, so uh, it's going to be a challenge, most definitely, but I'm looking forward to It's a great job. I I have a heart for uh, LA County Fire. My dad was an LA County firefighter um, before he passed away, so I have a heart for the department, most definitely, and there's a lot of really great opportunities within the department, so I'm looking forward to getting into that.
1: Oh, that's just so awesome to hear. I love the the dad connection there. Very cool. So you're L.A. County. Where are you going to kind of be based out of, or, or will you kind of be bouncing around?
0: Uh, we have headquarters um, in City of Terrace, East L.A., basically. Um, it's up on a hill. Uh, it's Command Central, and uh, it's right next to the L.A. County Sheriff's headquarters. So that's where I'm based out of. neat so- building up on a hill, great view.
1: Oh, love it! Well, well, Paula, I do want to say, um, I'm going to try to say that. Well, no, there's no easy way to say this. Like, I hope that for those listening, um, this is the last time they hear your voice. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, that means that means they will have had to call you for a bad reason.
0: (laughs) Definitely, definitely. I get it. I get it.
1: But if you do hear this voice, guys, you know, know you're in good hands. I'll say that. Know you're in good hands. (laughs) <laughs> so uh outside of being a fire dispatcher i mean is that kind of another step along the way or do you have kind of more aspirations or you're just going to kind of tackle that for now and see what happens
0: i'm kind of tackling this for now Um that's something i love about the world of ems is that there's so many different opportunities there's so many different paths that you can go down um like i said earlier this was definitely a god thing putting me on this path in the first place. Um, at such a a late stage of my life, I was kind of going, wait, what, what do you want me to do? (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, every time I tried to set it aside, he just kept putting it in front of me. So I, I told myself and I told him, I said, Hey, so you need to open and shut the doors as you see fit, because I'm not sure exactly where this path is going to go and where it is that you want me and what you want me doing. So, um, the doors have opened and some doors have shut. And so right now this is the door that's open. So this is kind of what I'm going with.
1: Well, it's it's refreshing to hear that you know you you do seek out that voice and that kind of uh, that that response, and you kind of you know I think a lot of us we hear things or kind of mention things that maybe we should do, but we're hesitant to go do it. But it's refreshing to hear that you know a lot of your decisions are, are based on your faith. Uh, and what else can you tell me? Kind of in uh, has has God kind of spoken to you? uh, in other times of your life, or, or maybe it was just, just, was this just a time when your ears were, were open more? Cause I know for me, I've been, uh, things have been shown to me that I should do. And there's been a stubbornness inside of me that I don't want to do that. But then you mature enough to maybe, okay, let's go for it. It sounds like you, you've really uh, been receptive to this new journey that you're on.
0: Definitely. Like I said, it was really confusing. It was about a year's worth of fighting him on it, not understanding exactly what was going on. I thought, am I having a midlife crisis? Is this, is this crazy? Like what, what is really going on here? And then, you know, just when it's it just keeps popping in front of you and you just start to get this literal burning desire inside, <clears throat> excuse me, you know that it's something bigger than you, that it's putting you there and you you just have to kind of go, okay, like I don't, I don't fully understand this, but, um, this seems to be what, what you want me to do. So I'm just going to take it a step at a time and is committed to a hundred percent, you know, every opportunity that was available to me, I would take, um, like doing the, the ride outs to the fire station, attending different events, um, I had an opportunity to do research on the the firehawk helicopters and got a ride on the on the helicopter and so there's definitely um, little adventures that have been taken along the way that that opened my eyes to the fact that there's so much opportunity out there and I, t- I meet these young kids I work with a lot of young kids and I just ask them so what have you what have you done what have you been doing to try to get there and and they don't they haven't really done anything you know and I tell them there's so much opportunity, you really just got to get your feet wet, you just get out there and just and ask so the worst that someone could say is no, you know, mm-hmm. but you to go after it because there's, there's so many opportunities. And that's what life's about is creating opportunities for yourself, you know, so that you have options that you're not stuck with, you know, oh, whatever's that's, left.
1: That's really well said. I, I had a conversation with my brother not too long ago about, um, you, you know, you never quite end up where you thought you would be but at the same time you always end up exactly where you should be like opportunities you try out other things you never know where something could lead you go down a certain direction but you know who knows where it leads and so it sounds like uh you know you're doing again great things and uh looking forward to this chapter of your life Uh, again in 2020 especially i think there's a lot of grateful people out there that uh maybe don't uh, express to you guys how uh, how thankful everybody is, uh, but the EMTs, the fire dispatch, again law enforcement, fire, everyone out there, the nurses. It's been one heck of a year, and we greatly appreciate it. Uh, you know, everyone I know that I talked to is like, yeah, we we couldn't uh, have this wonderful country we're in without the first responders and the people who are in the medical field.
0: Right. No, uh, there's it's been a challenging year, that's for sure, but. You know, we, we got COVID too. Me and my whole family, we had it in July. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was a challenging time, but it it taught us a lot about, you know, our family and taught us a lot about how we, how we deal with things. So we adapted and, you know, we made the best of it.
1: What, what was your experience like? Was it, did you guys all have it at the same time where you kind of all quarantined together for 14 days or how, how long did it go?
0: Uh, Well, it took its time getting through each one of us. Um, Every few days, someone else got it. So we had it starting the end of June all the way through July to the beginning of August. Um, It lingered. I was off work for three weeks. Um, I was probably only really, really sick for maybe four or five days. Um, It wasn't as bad for me as when I had the flu the year before, um, in my opinion, but my husband got it a little bit worse. He had, you know, the hard time breathing and the loss of taste and things like that. Um, he was pretty sick. He was pretty sick. We tried seeking medical, medical care and urgent care, and uh, they handled it horribly, um, and we didn't end up getting the care that we needed, um, but I was able to care for him at home without having to go to the emergency room, which was good, and he he took a turn and started getting better, so that was good. The kids didn't get it all that bad, um, but yeah, it you know, it went through our house probably a good four or five
1: weeks. Wow. Wow. I... You know, I, I've heard that, yeah, it's uh, for, for a lot of people, you don't even feel anything. For other people, it is like the flu. And then in your husband's case, uh, you know, a little more difficult. So I think that's one of the weirdest things about this whole thing is that it does treat everyone differently. I mean, some people right. have conditions and it doesn't work out for them. And then and other people, yeah, right. I mean, you, you get through it. So happy to hear, for the most part, would you say, I mean, you got through it. I mean, okay. Sounds like Robert had a little little yeah. more difficult time, but-
0: yeah, you know, in hindsight 2020, 20, if we wouldn't have known about coronavirus, we would have just thought that we got the flu or bronchitis or something, you know, that's really, was really, not, you know, we were sick, this symptoms are a little bit different, but, you know, we don't have these conditions, we're pretty people, so we were able to get, get over it.
1: Well, happy to hear it. Happily, uh, happy you uh, got through it like a lot of other people do. And uh, yeah, just again, great things, Paula. Very happy for, uh, you know, the direction you're headed in in your industry. Uh, Happy to hear Robert's still coaching the Dukes. I think that is uh, outstanding and uh, that the kids are doing so well. Although, can you still call them kids since they're all grown up now? Your three kids?
0: Oh, I know. They're a bunch of jerks. Seriously. (laughs) Robert left left with his wife and they moved to Texas so they just left um, yesterday Um, so I'm a little disappointed about that with the new baby coming and so that was hard Um, it's going to be an adjustment not having him around I still have it in my goals to get him back to California one way or another Um, Anthony's still at home he works for Vans and he loves it and uh, Liz is a senior at South Hills Um, so yeah we're just hanging in there, just doing this thing called
1: life. That's it. Doing this thing called life. That's all you can do. Uh, that's outstanding. Good for Robert uh, heading out to uh, Texas. You know, you might have to go join him. I heard that's not a bad place to be.
0: Hey, you know, I, it's, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. A lot of people are jumping ships. So hopefully, you know, <laughs> Texas won't become the new California.
1: I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. So uh, but you slipped that in there, uh, you know, uh, so in a few months here, grandma Paula, I mean, that's, uh, that does a nice yeah. ring to it.
0: Oh my gosh. I I'm trying to think of something really cool. You know, I'm thinking like Grammy P or something, <laughs> you know, I, I can't just do the whole grandma thing, you know, it's, <laughs> it's weird. I got, I gotta be the cool grandma.
1: How about they call you the first responder?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. Oh right. man. Oh, congrats right. to the De La Cruz family. Excellent news. Sounds like you, uh, <laughs> you gained a daughter and you got a grandkid along the way. That's at least some good news in 2020.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> Good times, good
1: times. Now, now, Paula, can we talk about a couple serious subjects here? Um, we, we've kind of just been talking, you know, this medical stuff and everything, but two very important issues that we need to discuss before we end our conversation here is uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, <laughs>
0: good stuff. It was a good year. The Dodgers finally were able to squeak one out. You know, it's, it's going to be a asterisk, asterisk kind of thing, but <laughs> we'll see. They won the World Series.
1: Absolutely. And uh, tell me what it was like for, for the De La Cruz family. I know you guys are big Dodger fans. Were you able to watch the World Series games together, um, especially that final game?
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Being that I've been working six days a week and I've been working a lot, um, my, my time invested in sports is definitely not what it used to be. Um, but I still have such a love for it and, uh, we had a great time. We were so excited to be able to watch the Dodgers win it. That was, that was pretty awesome.
1: Well, and to experience it as a family, really, I think is something very special because for so many families in, you know, LA, it's Southern California, it's the connections of fan fanhood. you know, my grandfather, my great grandfather, all this stuff. So to, to do it, celebrate it as a family, I think is really, really cool and special.
0: Um Definitely. Definitely. We were, it, we were just trying our best to celebrate, you know, it's like, you can't really go out. I think there was one night where we actually did go out to Casa Moreno to watch uh, a game. Robert and I, we hadn't been out to dinner in forever, you know, we decided, <laughs> to out. and uh, some of the neighboring uh, restaurants were having the game playing too. And mm-hmm. it was cool that everybody was outside, you know, because we've all got to stay outside and everybody was cheering for every play. And you could hear it all up and down the whole downtown Covina. Oh, yeah. It was just cheers, So it was really cool.
1: I, I like what they did with downtown Covina. I mean, they're doing what they can with, with what they can, like moving all the, the stuff outside into the parking spots and everything. Yeah. I mean, very good I vibes down there.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Whenever, whenever, even before COVID, you know, whenever I went out to eat, I always liked going to the places that had the outdoor, you know, patios and stuff. So it's been uh, great. I think Dodgers. it's going to be a challenge, with the, uh, with the weather com with the winter coming. But no. hopefully, they'll all still do good.
1: Well, again, they need those clubhouse 66 heaters, you know, that you would yeah. wheel over for us. That right. was uh, we we <laughs> we'd sit there for days if uh, you guys didn't close. Let me tell you, I mean. <laughs> Uh, oh, I know <laughs> there was no reason to leave. We're like, wait a minute. Paul is bringing us drinks. We are talking football. This is great. We don't have to referee till next Friday. This is great.
0: Right. I, know. <laughs> I haven't my nachos yet? Let me finish my nachos. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> good, good memory. Good stuff. Uh, well, and then, uh, you know, yeah, awesome for the city of Los Angeles, the Dodgers to finally do it. People say asterisk, but you know what? Everyone had to uh, play that short season and, uh, did yeah. you have the faith? Did you have the faith when the Dodgers were down three games to one to the Braves? Did you, you know
0: what? I had a good feeling this year. I really did. You know, the last couple of years was like such a major bummer. They would get there and they'd get so close and it was just like, such a a downer just you know they just lost it there at the end but this year you know they really pulled through and Mm -hmm. yeah no it was great it was great and yeah you know they had the same challenges that everybody did so even though it was a shortened season they, they still had to overcome a lot of obstacles so nah they won it fair and square (laughs)
1: absolutely uh well and then the los angeles rams i know you you know you and your husband rams fans and uh it's nice (laughs) to see it's nice to see uh individuals such as yourselves being rams fans uh, because we're we're crowded by all these non-la fans in in uh, southern california rooting for random teams which i don't understand but anyway uh i mean what are your thoughts on uh how the rams are doing this year i know you're very busy of course but uh you and your husband got to be pretty happy so far with how the team's been playing
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, the last game, it was a great game Monday night. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a good time watching it. Uh, we have fun with it. We make wings, we make some potato skins, and we eat football food. And, you know, we hover around the coffee table and we watch the games. We love it. It's been oh, a good time. You're speaking uh, my
1: language. You are speak football food. I like that.
0: <laughs> not this. <laughs> not- Last year, because they didn't have uh, their little training camp in the spring, but uh, the year before, I was actually able to go work as an EMT at the, the Rams training camp, and that was a really cool experience. We got to train with the team and the trainers and the doctors that they have out there on how to how to help the players during uh, when they get injuries and such, and uh, that was a neat experience. And now I just found out that the new SoFi Stadium actually has a command and control center. And LA County Fire handles their dispatch. So we have an opportunity to go work at SoFi. Oh man. I'm super stoked about that for next year. I'm gonna be on that like right away.
1: Oh jealous. Very jealous. Uh, So if if you need an intern, if you need an intern or someone to you know, tag along. I I can volunteer, whatever.
0: Right. It's like me with Rob. Rob Rob does the water pumps at Dodger Stadium, and so they always call him out, you know, for World Series and Opening Day, and he's always gotten to go out there. And I'm like, hey, you need an assistant? Like, give me. A oh yeah. Oh, <laughs>
1: so- sorry. some of the uh, the sound here is broken up here here with here. Uh, I think we've got most of it, but uh, well, oh, that's outstanding. Great stuff. So so I won't tell your husband. I promise. Who who's your so having seen the Rams in person who who who's your favorite Ram or maybe a couple couple favorite Rams?
0: What I definitely am a fan of McVeigh. Like I think he's a super cool guy and he's just so highly energetic. Um, that was fun. Uh, let's see. It's fun. It was really it was really cool the 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 way that the fans reacted during during the training camp when uh, Aaron Donald showed up. It was like the whole demeanor of the entire facility just changed at that moment. So uh, that was really cool. That was really cool. And then uh, one of the days when we were done uh, we had to go see if we were able to leave and we had to get clearance. So we were walking, Guy goes, you know, just just follow me. So we're following him down. And before you know it, I'm standing there in the middle of the locker room with all the players changing. And I was like, wait, like, am I, to be here like what is going on right now and they're like oh they don't care and I'm like well I kind of do <laughs> it was a little awkward <laughs> so that was an interesting experience but um, no it was, it was a lot of fun great team a um, lot of heart. so it's it's really neat to to be in that atmosphere it was really cool
1: I, I think a lot of the uh, female Rams fans I know they they do dig Mr. Sean McVay quite a bit uh you know he he's definitely the the lady's uh, favorite out there it seems like i've seen some uh, great t-shirts and stuff
0: <laughs> Funny, that is funny
1: oh hey i am mad at him ha- happy to have him leading the team well, well well paula it has been so much fun catching up uh it's been a long time um i still occasionally drive by clubhouse 66 and i think of those friday nights i mean t- there were so many of them and right uh, you know it's in the past now but i gotta say uh, great times. I have so many memories. You even had little referee thing like figurines or something for us one time, I remember. Uh just just an absolute blast. I- you you would like little plates I- or something.
0: Maybe. I know there was one time where we were wearing like referee shirts or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're one of yeah. us. <laughs> No, such. I I wish you nothing but the best. Please uh, give my best to your husband Robert and uh, your three kids. Happy to hear they're doing well. And again, very happy with uh, you know the, everything you've accomplished and will accomplish here in the near future. Sounds like uh, you're uh, you're happy and uh, things are working out great.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been a great adventure. So and I I know it's not over. So lots of fun.
1: Just getting started. Absolutely, Paula De La Cruz. Thanks for joining <laughs> us today.
0: Definitely. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much, Paula De La Cruz, for joining us on the Get Home Safe podcast. It was a blast catching up with you and sharing some fun memories, uh, looking back at some fun stories. Uh, Just a great time catching up. uh, Give my best to the family. I wish you all nothing but the best in moving forward. Um, And we hope to uh, talk with you again very soon. I will say go Rams. Uh, here on the podcast, as the Rams improve to nine and four, uh, I know you and your family will be watching. So we hope that uh, we have plenty to cheer about here in the upcoming year as we turn the page on 2020 and hopefully go into a good year of 2021. It's a playoff football. We'll see what happens. But again, thank you for joining us, Paul. I know a lot of referees out there are very grateful uh, for your, uh, your 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 quick returns on uh, the beer orders uh, back then. But in all seriousness. Uh, very happy and just uh, honored and so proud of what you're doing and giving back to the community. I think it's great stuff. And uh, again, wish you guys, wish you nothing but the best out there. So keep doing the Lord's work and we will talk to you again very, very soon. Well, guys, that will wrap up the Get Home Safe podcast for today. Uh, there are plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. If you are a, are a new listener, our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at Get yahoo.com we would love to hear from you so send us a message uh whether it be through social media maybe an email uh whatever the case is we would love a content suggestion uh maybe a topic maybe a question maybe you want to challenge me or Bill Barnes on something whatever the case may be send us in some information contact us uh whatever uh avenue you would like to uh please do so in a timely manner sometime over the weekend usually works best for everybody But anyway, uh, we hope to hear from you. There are also some episode, uh, in the episode notes, there are some links, additional links where you can send in a voice message if you'd like to, much like a caller calling into a radio program. Uh, You can leave a one-minute limit message and uh, say what you got to say and have your voice heard on the Get Home Safe podcast. But if you don't want to have your voice heard, we understand. Send us a message. Send us an email. It would be great to hear from you just like you hear from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the Get Home Safe podcast podcast we have a big weekend of sports ahead what other kind of weekend is there there's plenty of uh, good football on there is uh, some boxing anthony joshua the heavyweight champion gets back in the ring uh, on the boxing side of things uh he hasn't fought since fighting way back in uh, the summer of 2020, so it'll be good to see him get back in the ring. Be sure to check that out. Uh, there's some good college football on UCLA versus USC. The Crosstown Showdown, uh, the undefeated Trojans of USC uh, will play the Bruins of UCLA and uh, the battle for Los Angeles. So I don't know how many championships are going to be handed out this year, but the championship of Los Angeles is definitely one uh, worth watching. So be sure to tune in to that this weekend. Plenty of good NFL football on. We won't have to talk about the Rams too much on Monday because they played on Thursday night. So uh, you won't have to hear too much from me on Monday uh, talking about the Rams win or the Rams loss. Although. I may still get into it just because, hey, it's Monday. Why not, right? Uh, On Mondays, I'm usually joined by my brother, Sam Hersma. Well, we will go over all of the NFL action from Sunday, as well as some college football games and probably some uh, fighting, whether it be UFC, some boxing, or any other storylines out there. So be sure to tune in on monday for that episode we hope you will join us guys thank you for joining us today thank you for joining us this entire week it has been fun we have had uh, another great week here in the month of uh, excuse me of december as we try to uh, get around the final turn and get through this crazy year of 2020 rip the calendar off the wall and put up a new year of 2021 who's with me i'm excited about it ready to go so uh, let's make it happen well guys have a safe weekend out there Uh, be responsible have some fun Uh, yes you can still celebrate Christmas it's still allowed here in California at least for now so uh, do some Christmas shopping and uh, try to enjoy the holiday season because you know what it'll be gone before you know it but guys no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe